listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real-life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hello there, Rockstar SLPs. This is Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, and today we're going to be breaking down a quote that I have used to help me when I am feeling super overwhelmed or discouraged or just not excited about being a speech pathologist. And I posted this quote with some of my thoughts, I want to say earlier in end of March-ish, And I didn't put who quoted it because I didn't really, I don't remember, I couldn't remember who quoted it, but it was actually Arthur Ashe. And he was a famous professional tennis player. I, if fun fact, I played tennis throughout my childhood and played for high school. So tennis was definitely a big part of my life and my parents loved tennis. Um, We used to watch tennis a lot. So tennis and tennis is one of those sports where you're like, I can glean so many life things from playing this sport. Um, I've definitely learned so much about myself, how to push through when things are really difficult, how to just so many aspects of it. But anyways, I wanted to share this quote and break some of it down for you to remind you of what to do when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling frustrated, when you're feeling like you can't keep doing this job, right? And some of you, you know, it's getting to the end of the school year and you may be saying, yeah, I'm going to look for another placement because it's that bad, but you're stuck, right? You're stuck fulfilling your contract for the rest of the year and you got to get through it. Um, And so let's jump into that, right? Okay. So the quote by Arthur Ashe is start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And, you know, rewind when I was a CFY, you know, I had a pretty big caseload. Um, I've had bigger than what I did have, but I, I was put into, I got hired halfway through the year. So there was not an SLP who was covering the site for half the year. And I had a pretty large caseload, about 65. I can't remember, honestly, but it was it was definitely not 55 or below. And I was in my CFY year covering this caseload and having to clean up a mess, a mess, and having to hold backlogged IEPs and trying to navigate all of that while still trying to do therapy. I had a shelf. <laughs> I had to share my speech room. One of my speech rooms, I had two speech rooms. Uh, One of my speech rooms, I was sharing with the psychologist who basically had, it was his office. And I had a little, little area for about three rows of shelving. Thankfully, um, my district was like, hey, we're going to let you buy whatever you want because we got a lot of, in California, we call it Medi-Cal billing. We got a lot of money and our district allowed the speech pathologists to use that money their caseload. So I was able to purchase some stuff, but you guys got to remember, this is way back, way back in 2006 when we didn't have Amazon. So to wait for, you know, you ordered your super duper or your lingua system stuff, and then you had to wait like three or four weeks. I mean, gosh, wait that long for it to all process and get mailed to you. And it wasn't like Amazon 
time. So there were even, there was even a period of time where I literally had barely any materials on top of having to do any IEPs that were coming in, you know, that were due in January and February, but also backlog all the way from August. So the, the concept <laughs> start where you are, you know, really was like, okay, I am going to have to just focus on seeing my students as best I can and focus on getting these IEPs done. Um, and so sometimes we're in situations where we really just need to start where we are. And we, and I don't want to say just accept it and be like, that's it. But when we start to think about, I, oh, I wish it was this way, or why doesn't the team use the AAC device all day? Um, you start to get frustrated. You start to become, I, I would even say sometimes just judgmental of yourself, judgmental of your team. And it's just takes a real negative toll if we don't rein that in. Um, so if wherever you are at, Remember, it's okay to start where you are. Um, and I continually have to do this as an SLP. I, I am not in the school setting as of right now, so I can only imagine what it's like to manage a big old caseload and the situations that you are arising because I've had my fair share of stories. Um, I do have a couple of private clients, and you know what? I've had to tell myself this, hey, start where you are you know, or start where you are with the student. We have to build a relationship before we can get moving with some of the great big goals that I have in store to, to target and to do with this, with the child, the children that I'm working with. Um, so if you are a CFY who has a big old caseload and you are just drowning, you don't feel like you're being effective. You don't, you're, you're not really processing everything that's going on because you're so focused on just trying to tread water and manage your caseload and get those IEPs done and doing it all right. Start where you are. Managing a caseload is really, really hard because not only are you just working with students, you are also collaborating with staff members. You're coordinating IEPs. Um, there's so, <laughs> you're documenting everything. There's so many things. So start with just getting all your IEPs done on time and really nailing down that process. Your therapy is going to come, you know, of course, try to do your best with that too, but acknowledge too, like, okay, this is where I'm at. Um, I didn't get a ton of group therapy time. I remember when I first started out at, at like the following year, I left that school. Okay. But then I went to this new school and I thought, Lise is going to start so many cool things. I'm going to start an RTI program working on phonemic awareness. I'm just going to do that. You know, it's going to just <laughs> like I wanted to do those things, but I had to start where I was. It was not feasible. And some of you out there may be going, you know what? I've had a great experience. I've been able to jump out the gate and get some cool things going. And that really is dependent to on where your team is at. And that kind of brings up my next kind of mini point on start where you are. We, I remember there'd be times where I had just such, I'd see such great communication potential in classrooms. Um, but the team 
was not on board with certain things. And and I'll give the example that I think most of us can relate to, but with the AAC devices, we know that our kids need those communication devices all day, every day. It is their voice. It's, It's how they're communicating with the world. They need access to it. And too often, we know that those devices are sitting in backpacks, not charged, the teacher's not pulling it out. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why that sometimes happens. You know, it's it's sometimes, and it's a little too common that it's because of just not wanting to do it from the staff. But a lot of times we have to really take a step back and say, okay, how come the staff isn't pulling the defi- device out every day? They only pull it out at circle time. I, this is really defeating. I want them to be doing this all day long and they're not. And I keep telling them, hey, can you pull this out? I'm trying all these different, you know, I've tried to tell them they're still not doing it. And you have to remember too that the staff may be starting where they are. They may not be used to using the AAC device. They may be uh, overwhelmed with the technology of it or they don't know how to incorporate it. There's, there's, could be a ton of reasons and One of the reasons could also be that they have no accountability. No one is consistently going, hey, I'm back again (laughs) Um, to come coach you in the class, right? So you need to look at where your staff is and say, okay, how can we, okay, they're only pulling the AAC device out at circle time. How can we start increasing the frequency throughout the day? And that's your next little mini step. How can you work with the teacher? Say, hey, I'd love to come alongside you and coach and help support because I know this is this is a lot. And maybe we could start pulling, making sure that AAC devices are accessible at, at snack time because I don't know about you, but I like to talk about food and I'm sure all the kids do too. And it's a very fun social time. And so when we can, when we can take back, when we can look at it going, okay, we got to start where we are. It helps take the overwhelm of what isn't happening and pushes us to make, take small, actionable steps. Um, and you know, and I remember, I think it's, I'll put the show notes for the episode. I want to say, I can't remember what episode it is. Um, if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes, you know, Another great example, and then we'll move on from that, is if you received a new student on your caseload that has goals in a treatment area, you are not confident with treating, or you just haven't had a lot of professional development, or you're insecure if you're doing it right, you know, you need to just start where you are. Try to find some PD, reach out to some SLPs in your districts, and get some pointers on where to start. And you got to jump in. And I remember um, about four or five years ago, I had a student who had apraxia and was autistic. And I definitely felt like, oh, no, you know, I don't know. Apraxia is one of my weakest treatment areas because I haven't had a lot of students with that. So I had I did did some of these things. I had to go fleece, start where you are. You know how to build rapport with the student. You know how to play with the student. You know how to get them, you know, you have skills, but we're going to learn some more about the best approach for this child. And that's going to take a little bit of time and some intentionality with you figuring this out. And it's okay that I don't have all the answers and that I can get better as I practice this treatment approach. And I remember this even happening when my caseload really changed one year. I had a very, um, complicated, not going to say complicated workload, but I had a very, um, just a a heavy workload 
um, on with my students because I had four or five uh, special day classrooms at one site. And I want to say three or four of them were specifically for autistic students, but there was a lot of kids who were needing AAC devices. I had taken a lot. I had two classes, one in undergrad and one in graduate school. I was very, you know, trained on AAC. I knew where to go for answers. If I was struggling, I had, I consulted SLPs in my districts who specialized in AAC, but even then I, I knew I needed to get a refresher, a major refresher on, in this area so that I could serve my students well. And thankfully, there was a year-long AAC assessment course that I took with a few other SLPs, and it was really, really great. And, and that's, but I had to start where I was and look for those opportunities and embrace that I was in a lear learning curve. Um, okay, so secondly, use what you have. Use your abilities, use the materials useful to you, find ways that you can you can advocate for you and your students. So, you know, for example, if things are crazy busy, use the materials you already have prepped and then use them again and again. You can find little small tweaks on how to make a book or a sensory bin or some flashcards the same, but a little bit different. So your kids are enjoying therapy. Um, if you, you know, so use what you have and be okay if you don't have that fancy, fancy lesson that you saw on Pinterest or everything printed out and laminated perfectly, just use what you have and it's all good. The kids don't care. I can't tell you how many times uh, people have DM'd me like, I made a sensory bin and the kids loved it, but it wasn't as cute as yours. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what it looks like. A lot of times I try to make my sensory bins look really you know, polished and professional so that you guys can see the possibilities. And especially if you buy a resource of mine, you know, I want you to have, I want you to see what it could look like, but it doesn't need to look like that. You know, it could be super simple and kids love it. Um, and I know how little time SLPs have to prep and plan speech therapy sessions. And so if you have to go purchase something on Teachers Pay Teachers, or if you want to join my theme therapy SLP membership, do it. It's okay. Go for it. Um, yeah, that's why. I, that's one of the reasons why I created the Theme Therapy SLP membership because I knew so many SLPs didn't have time to create and come up with lesson plans, and it it's and then they were feeling you know they're feeling flustered with therapy. So I wanted to take that lesson planning off your plate so that you can enjoy serving your students. So I will link to the theme therapy SLP membership. If you want to check it out, we put, we have two months, we have two themes for every month that cover preschool to fifth grade. And then we, each month we add a new third theme. So you have three themes. It has a variety of, um, open-ended activities, book cheat sheets, story maps, Google slides, cast cards, a toy companion guide, so many things. So go check it out. All right. So let's talk about the last portion of the quote. We have start where you are, use what you have. And the last portion of the quote is do what you can. And this is something that can't comes to mind, especially for you SLPs out there who are dealing with a very heavy workload or a very large caseload 
or maybe you've been wanting to go into the classroom and you've been approaching the teacher about collaborating more and they just, they're like, no, that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, whatever is going on in your situation, um, it's easy to say, you know what, forget it. I can't do this. I have 90 kids on my caseload and everything is impossible, right? Um, I know I've definitely felt that way. I have felt like I'm not making any of a difference because I have been given, you know, the decks stacked against me. I keep climbing uphill and I never seem to reach the top or even get closer to the top. So I start to get discouraged. And that's where we have to reframe our mindset, regardless of if you think you would be more effective in a different setting um, or whatnot, you are, you have to look at the, your reality. You have this job, at least till the end of the school year, and things aren't necessarily going to change. You're stuck with those 85 kids. You can try your best to graduate students, to change up how you're going to service those students, but we have certain situations that we're just kind of like, we got to make the best of it. We have to do what we can. And so that's how you can approach maybe your difficult workload is what can I do to help serve my students well each day? And sometimes that's just that small reminder that we're going to greet all of our kids like we are so excited to see them. We're going to take an interest in them. And even if we don't get as much as we want done in a session, we're going to remember that we touch their lives with just a little extra smile and a little extra care. Um, if you're interested in learning more about building rapport with your students, I had a really good conversation with Claudia from Creative Speech Lab in episode 24, and it had a lot of, she shared a lot of tips on how to build rapport and how that's so important for your therapy um, and, the, and the progress you make with your students. So that's just one example is like, what can we do with our students, right? Or maybe we've been thinking, I need to do something different to get more quality instruction or higher trials. So think about one little thing that you could change in your session to increase those trials with your group that requires minimal effort on your part, but it can make be a big game changer for your groups. It's not always about planning and prepping a whole new curriculum, but it could be just these little tweaks that we can make in our, in our groups um, to make therapy more productive. And I'll give you a couple of examples of things that I did to do, to, to work on that, to do what I can. One, I looked at my groups and I said, okay, how can I minimize transitions and wasted time so that I can maximize practice, um, and, and productivity with everybody in the group. So a lot of times I abandoned doing, games where it's like your turn. Okay. You practice five times and five times and then going to the next student. So then all those other students are just sitting there waiting till it's their turn. Instead, I started working on my frameworks and figuring out ways to incorporate everybody's goals in the session using whatever material I have. So for example, I might read a book and while I'm reading a book, I know what every single student is working on. Or I know that before I read the book, 
Johnny over there, he needs to practice his S blend. So I'm going to do two minutes of drill with him and let the other kids do a picture walk of the book. And I'm going to drill as much as I can so I can get that, that drill practice in, or at least start it at the beginning of the session. Then we do the book. And then after that, I all, after I do a book, I always plan a hands-on activity that I'm going to incorporate everybody's goals. And if I do do a game, I'm really thinking intentionally like, okay, how can I make sure that every turn my students are practicing something? So maybe if I'm playing bubble talk, the kid that's working on their R sounds in sentences is going to read everybody's target words. Um, before we even do a round, I'm going to have my students working on sentence structure or describing, have to describe the picture that we've chosen. So you're always thinking, how can I just tweak this one material to make things more interactive or more engaging with my students? I didn't have to prep anything new. I'm still doing the same activity. I'm just thinking, what can I do to make this better? And another just quick little example of do what you can is when I, I listened to Char Beauchart speak to my speech therapy department many, many years ago, and she like hooked us up with tons and tons of speech and language ideas. And the thing that got that was just very inspiring was that she shared how she had a giant caseload like in the 90s, okay, and how even though she had that giant caseload, she thought outside the box and thought about ways that she could still support her students in an intentionally, in a, sorry. So Char Beauchart shared ways that she could share. Okay, say that again. I'm going to just do that whole thing over. And I'm going to give you one more example of the quote, do what you can. Many, many years ago, Char Beauchart came and spoke to our speech department, and she hooked us up with tons and tons of speech and language ideas to do with our caseloads. Like We walked away with a lot of practical information. Anyway, she also shared that she had over 90 kids on her caseload. And unfortunately, that's pretty pretty normal, right? Or at least to have 50 plus kids, but to have over 90 kids would be overwhelming. And what was inspiring about what she shared was that she tried to find ways to serve and support her students, um, even with that big number. And one of the ideas that stood out to me was she created, they had an extra room at one of her schools. And so she created like a a pretend grocery store and had, you know, filled it, made it look like a little grocery store and all the classrooms could go through there each week and work on speech and language goals. So she could go in there with a big group of kids and work on it. But then the teachers could also go in there and do math lessons and hands-on activities. And so that's just an example of doing what you can. If you have a lot of kids and you're feeling like you're not serving them well, this is why I'm such a big proponent of collaborative services and particularly either implementing a coaching model 
or a co-teaching whole class lesson, because not only are you getting into the classroom, but you're modeling to your staff how to work on speech and language goals all day, every day. And that is one solution if you have a big caseload is to start training the teachers and staff for ways that you, they can work on speech and language goals when you aren't there. Um, so if you want more information about that, I will link to some of my collaborative service blog posts. And you can also follow me at the dabbling speechy um, to see frameworks for ways you can plan whole class lessons. I do have a lot of other podcast episodes on coaching. So if you're interested in that, I will link some of those episodes so you can check it out. But that's, that's the wrap of this quote. I know you guys are all probably burnt out feeling maybe ineffective or you just are like, I don't know if I have the energy to move on and get, keep going. Summer break is almost here. So just remember, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. All right, everyone, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. And I will see you next week. Uh-huh.